Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters six, seven, and eight of The Maze Runner. That's right, The Maze Runner, where it's about a maze and a guy who wants to go running in the maze, even though he has no memory of the maze or any idea of what's going on. No one's answered any of his questions yet, but he's completely sure of himself that he wants to be a runner in the maze. That's essentially where we left off. He went to sleep with his best friend, Chuck. He's now got an enemy called Gally, who's got a nose that looks like a potato inexplicably. And so now he's being woken awake at the start of chapter six and his eyes are snapping open and, and he's freaked out, panic flared until he saw who it was. Then, then the panic just dissipated immediately. And so it's Newt and he says, shh, Greeny, don't want to be waking Chucky now, do we? And apparently the air reeked of his morning breath. Yuck. And so though Thomas was surprised, any alarm melted away immediately. I, I thought it already had melted away when you said panic flared and until you saw it was Newt. But now he can't help but wonder. He's being curious, wondering why the boy wanted him. Um, maybe because you're, you're, the, you're the newbie, you're the greenie. He's obviously going to wake you up for some sort of purpose. And Thomas nods doing his best to say yes with his eyes. Well, no, you just nodded. That's saying yes. That's how you indicate yes. You don't, you don't need to do it with eye contact along with the nod. The nod will suffice. So then Newt's like, all right, come on, Greeny, let's go. And so he gets him to his feet and he says, I'm supposed to show you something before the wake up. Okay, so that's that mystery solved. And Thomas is like, well, I know I should be suspicious about this. I shouldn't trust anybody, but I want to know what's going on. So he's like, okay. So then Newt walks him out away from the tightly strewn pack of sleeping bodies and Thomas almost trips several times, stepping on people's hands. (laughs) I thought we were meant to be quiet to not wake anyone up and here he is stomping on people's hands. (laughs) And then once they get to the hard grey stone of the courtyard, Newt starts running for the western wall. And so Thomas is like, oh, well, I, I better follow him. And so they stop right next to the wall, which was towering above them like a skyscraper. And then he's like, wow, a skyscraper. It's funny that I know what that is. And I can see an image of a skyscraper in my mind, but I have no memory of skyscrapers. And he's calling it a memory wipe. So just get used to that lingo because they're just going to use that for the rest of the book. Memory wipe. That's what we're referring to it as. Like, okay, sure. A wipe generally does clear like the whole memory slate. And he does remember little bits and pieces and random things. So I wouldn't call it a wipe, but whatever. And so Thomas... He's noticing that there's some small red lights flashing along the wall's face. And he's like, what are those? He whispered as loudly as he dared. And yet it's still a whisper. He did just stomp on people's hands walking out, but now he's away from the sleeping bodies and he's at the wall and he's whispering. Oh, okay. And he's just asking about the red lights. And Newt's like, Ugh, when you bloody need to know, you'll know, greenie. I'm not here to answer questions. 
I did just wake you up in the middle of the night to show you something as part of initiation, but I'm not here to answer questions, okay? And Thomas says, well, it's kind of stupid to send me to a place where nothing makes sense and not answer my questions, shank. And he added all the sarcasm he could into that one syllable word, shank. Like, God, he picked up that lingo quick. But it's still coming off as desperate. Like, you're trying to fit in a little bit too hard, Thomas. But Newt thinks it's hilarious. He's like, oh my God, you called me Shank. And he goes, I like you, Greenie. Now shut it and let me show you something. God, I'm getting whiplash from this conversation. So Newt steps forward and he digs his hands into the thick ivy that's along the wall and he wipes it away, (laughs) wipes it, and reveals a dust frosted window, a square about two feet wide. Why does the maze have a window? Why, that just seems so odd. Like if Tom's not thinking that this is just like a weird rando experiment, well, he must be thinking that because why, why else would there be a window in a maze and they're living in the middle of them? It doesn't make sense, Thomas. Like what do you actually think is going on here? I know no one's answered your questions, but surely you can't just be rolling with the punches being like, of course this maze where the walls move has a window that we can look out and see all of the monsters trying to come in because that's, what, that's what's going to happen. And Thomas says, what are we looking for? And he goes, hold your undies, boy. One will be coming along soon enough. Okay, they're all the same age. <laughs> like Thomas is older than the rest. We've, we've sort of figured that out. He's in the upper age spectrum. Hold your undies, boy. We don't even know for sure if Newt is older than Thomas. So the minutes passed and Thomas is getting bored. But then glimmers of an eerie light shone through the window. And he's like, oh my God, what's coming? What's coming? Well, nothing yet. Then Newt says, out there's the maze. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Everything we do, our whole life, Greeny, revolves around the maze. Well, you're living in the maze. I don't know if you've put that together, but you're in the center of the maze. Every loving second of every loving day we spend in honor of the maze, trying to solve something that's not shown us it has a bloody solution, you know? And we want to show you why it's not to be messed with. Show you why them buggin' walls close shut every night. Show ya why you should never, never find your butt out there. I'll remind you that these people have language. They remember language. But this is how they choose to speak. So Thomas is looking through the window. We still haven't seen anything yet. They, they totally... James totally wrote this like we were about to see something super quick, but nothing. And then fi- finally, he does see something. And it's a large, bulbous creature the size of a cow... So he knows what cows are, but with no distinct shape twisted and seethed along the ground in the corridor outside. So it's climbing opposite the wall. And he says, what are those? Whispering loudly. He loves a loud whisper, our Thomas. And then it leaps at the window with a loud thump and Thomas like jumps backwards and he's like, yeah. And so it was too dark to see it clearly, but because of the odd lights flashing around, there were blurs of silver spikes and glistening flesh. Wicked instrument tipped appendages protruded from its body like arms, a saw blade, a set of shears, long rods whose purpose could only be guessed. Again, he's been memory wiped, but he has the ability to identify all of those tools by name. Okay, interesting. It looks like a horrific mix of animal and machine, and it seemed to want to get inside and feast on human flesh. And Thomas thinks, even with the memory wipe, he felt sure he'd never seen something so truly awful. Even with the memory, he did that last time talking about Gally being like, even though I have no memory of people, I know for sure that you're the worst person I've ever met. Like he's so sure of himself as someone who's suffering from memory issues. 
And he's like, what's that? What is that thing? And he says, they're the Gravers, which we have heard about. So you'd think he'd make a stab at it and be like, oh, I guess that's a Graver. He says, nasty bugger, eh? Just be glad the Gravers only come out at night. Be thankful for these walls. How do they not know that they're in some sort of experiment? Like, come on, guys. Come on. Why would you be thankful for the walls when you're, when you're locked in some sort of maze experiment? And so then Thomas is like, oh, I do really want to be a runner, but oh, that thing does kind of look yuck. His desire to become a runner had taken a major blow, but he had to do it. Somehow he knew he had to do it. It was such an odd thing to feel, especially after what he'd just seen. Okay, so nothing's changed. <laughs> a whole big demonstration of what a griever is. And he's like, yeah, I, I still want to be a runner for no reason at all. So Newt says, now you know what bloody lurks in the maze, my friend. I, did, I thought Chucky was his only friend, but whatever. Now you know this isn't joke time. You've been sent to the Glade, Greenie, and we'll be expecting ya to survive and help us to do what we've been sent here to do. And Thomas is like, well, what the fuck's that then? And he says, find our way out, Greenie. Solve the bug and maze and find our way home. No, it, if it were me, and I was thrown into this experiment, I'd be like, you know what? Actually, actually, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to go through the maze to try and escape because clearly I can't escape. You're clearly trying to fuck with me. So I'm just going to sit here and not do anything about it and ruin your plans. That's what I would do. Also, there's that random box that he came up out of in the middle of the ground, right? Like clearly that's the way out. If you're looking for a way out of the maze, Leave the way you came. I don't think we can be sure that there is actually a way out through the maze. But there's a perfectly good hole in the ground which came from, so maybe I'd explore that option a little more. And then I'd engage in some passive resistance. Like, why are they all just going with it? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe we'll find out more that they have been trying a few different methods. But for now, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So we leave that there. And then a couple of hours later... He's sitting at a picnic table outside the homestead and he's thinking all about the Grievers, proper noun, capital G, and what their purpose is. And so the runners had also just left without saying a word to anybody and they bolted into the maze at full speed because they're running. I don't know if you've cottoned on to that fact, but they're not maze walkers. They're not maze strollers. They're not maze wanderers. They're not maze gamblers. They're not even maze joggers. They're maze runners. So surprise, surprise, they were running. And so he's eating his bacon and eggs and he's picturing them running around the maze. God, he wants to be a maze runner so bad. It's so weird. And then he's just thinking, oh, I just don't get it. Chuck's trying to make conversation with him and he's just like blue balling him, not engaging in conversation. He's just like, my mind is trying to compute the sheer impossibility of the situation. How could a maze with walls so massive and tall be so big that dozens of kids hadn't been able to solve it after who knew how long they'd been trying? How could such a structure exist? And more importantly, why? What could possibly be the purpose of such a thing? Why were they all here? How long had they been there? And these are all questions that everybody's refusing to answer. And Thomas, (laughs) listen to this. Thomas knew he was a smart kid. He somehow felt it in his bones. Doesn't know much, doesn't know his age, doesn't know his height, but he knows that he's a smart kid somehow. And I wouldn't be so sure, Thomas. If your first instinct on seeing a griever is to be like, oh, I can't wait to run around that maze and put my life at risk, then maybe you're not that smart. He even says next, he says, but nothing about this place made any sense except for one thing, he was supposed to be a runner. Why did he feel that so strongly? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) He's like, I don't know why I feel that way, but I do. 
So then Albie taps him on the shoulder and he says, ain't you looking fresh? Get a nice view out the window this morning. Also, if the walls are moving always, every night they change. How did Newt know how to find the window so quickly? Shouldn't the window then have moved as well? Oh, who knows? And Thomas says, yeah, I did. Enough to make me want to learn about this place. And Albie's like, okay, well, me and you, Shank, the tour begins now. Tour, proper noun, capital T. But then he says, but no questions until the end, you get me? Ain't got time to jaw with you all day. What's the point of having a tour when the inductee can't ask questions? <laughs> Surely that's the point of the tour. Well, no, no questions. Don't have time to chat. I'm sure you do. What else are you doing all day? You're stuck in a maze. Not everyone's a runner. I'm sure they do basic survival type jobs like, but come on. And Thomas is like, what a jerk. And he says, well, you you know what? You should still tell me things. Tell me everything. I want to know everything. And Albie's like, whatever, we'll see. And Thomas had decided the night before not to tell anyone else how strangely familiar the place seemed. The odd feeling that he'd been there before, that he could remember things about it. Sharing that seemed like a very bad idea. Okay. All right, Captain Foreshadowing. Like, okay, he's been there before. When that gets eventually revealed, if it does, we're all going to be so shocked. And Albie says, I'll tell you what I want to tell you, Greeny. Let's go. And Chuck's like, I want to come. And he goes, ain't you got a job, Slinthead? Lots of slopping to do. What lots of slopping to do? What the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And so then Chuck's like, oh, fine, have fun. And Thomas starts to feel sorry for Chuck. He's like, I wish people would treat the kid better. My best friend. And then he walked away with Albie, hoping the tour, proper noun, capital T, had officially begun. Yeah, I think it has. He's just been invited onto the tour. Albie said, all right, let's go to the tour. The tour begins now, he said. The tour begins now. And then he walks away and he goes, God, I hope the tour has begun. Of course it's begun. You've been told that it has begun. Thomas is an idiot. He's like, oh, I'm such a smart kid. And I'm like, ah, no, I think you're an idiot. So they started the tour at the box. Well, no, okay. I thought it had already begun, but (laughs) now it's starting at the box, proper noun, capital B. And so Albie says, this is the box. (laughs) Not a great tour. It reminds me of a few months ago, my boyfriend and I, we went to um, a a coastal town for like a baby shower and we stayed at this shitty motel and there were all these ducks because it was on a lake and there was all these ducks just running around the hotel. And we checked in and the guy goes, okay, well, here's your room and here are the ducks. And it's like, okay, we didn't need a tour of the premises when it's just, you're pointing us to a room and some ducks. Like what a bizarre, what a bizarre introduction to that motel. It was like, here's your room, here's the ducks. And like the ducks move, but like, okay, thank you for introducing the ducks. And like Thomas came out of the box. <laughs> he knows the box. And they're like, okay, well, here's the box. And it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thankfully he does describe it a little bit. He says, once a month we get a newbie, capital N, proper noun, like you, never fails. Once a week, we get supplies, clothes, some food, ain't needing a lot, pretty much run ourselves in the glade, proper noun, capital G. And Thomas is itching to ask questions, but he's not allowed. So he's thinking, oh, I need some tape to put over my mouth. (laughs) Just ask the questions. What's he going to do? And Albie says, we don't know jack about the box. You get me? Where it came from, how it gets here, who's in charge. The shanks that sent us here ain't told us nothing. Tried to send a slinthead greenie back in the box one time. Thing wouldn't move till we took him out. And so then Thomas wondered what lay under the doors when the box wasn't there, but he held his tongue. 
And again, I'm like, yeah, that's the way out of the maze. Just send a fucker down the, down the box. I know the box won't move when you've got someone in there, but send it down the shaft when the box is down the bottom. I don't know. So then Albie says the glades cut into four sections. Gardens, bloodhouse, homestead, deadheads. All proper nouns, but I'll allow it. And he says, you get that? And Thomas is like, no, I don't. <laughs> four sections, you lost me. So Albie's like, oh God, fine, I'll explain it. If you don't want to explain everything, don't do a tour then. I think you need to manage expectations and just like stop saying, oh, I'll tell you everything tomorrow and just be like, we're not going to tell you shit and get used to it. They're really stringing Thomas along and he's a smart kid. (laughs) I don't know how I know that, but I just know that he's a smart kid, but you've got to give him a little bit of a briefing. Like, come on. So he points to the Northeast corner where there's all the crops and he says, that's the gardens. Okay. That's pretty obvious. He says, water's pumped in through the pipes in the ground, always has been, or we'd have starved to death a long time ago. It never rains here, never. And we just gloss over that. And I'm like, well, if it never rains there, clearly you're not outdoors then, right? It must be a fake sun. I don't know, you're in a, like a Squid Games type warehouse. I don't know what's going on, but if it never rains, you'd be thinking a, you'd be thinking a little bit out of the box about that, right? And then he points to the southeast corner where there's the animal pens and a barn. And he says, that's Bloodhouse where we raise and slaughter animals. Yuck. And then he points to the homestead and he says, homestead, stupid place is twice as big than when the first of us got here because we keep adding to it when they send us wood and clunk. So the homestead was there and then they've done renos. Where did the portrait of the old lady come from? You remember that the, 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 on the three-legged stool, there was a portrait in a vase or something and the portrait had a photo of an, an old lady or a lady who looked old. I don't know. So like, presumably that's been there the whole time. But if you're also like making extensions and renovating the place, would you not just like put the photo away? Like I assume no one has a sentimental attachment because they don't know who that person is. Very bizarre what's going on in that homestead. Yeah, we keep adding to it, building little new rooms and things, but not changing the decor at all. Mm, Interesting. And then he points at the Southwest corner and says, that's the deadheads. Graveyards back in the corner in the thicker woods. Ain't much else. You can go there to sit and rest, hang out, whatever. Yeah, because it sounds lovely. Oh, I've got some spare time. I'm just going to go hang out in the deadheads, which is a graveyard and like a thick forest of dead trees. Like, oh, oh, sounds beautiful. And Albie says, you'll spend the next two weeks working one day a piece for our different job, Keepers, proper noun, capital K, until we know what you're best at. Slopper, bricknick, bagger, or track hoe, all proper nouns. <laughs> and those are the names of the jobs. And it's like, okay, you, you said slaughterhouse earlier. Like, I don't know why you then need to call them slopper or whatever that job is. Bricknick, I'm, I'm assuming that means like a bricklayer. Maybe they're the charge of building the homestead, but you have language. Bagger, no idea what the fuck that could be. Track hoe, I'm assuming. <laughs> That's the worst one. Track hoe, I'm assuming, is someone who's a hoe on the track team. Or maybe does gardening and landscaping work. I don't know. But they have words. They have language. So I don't know why they've just created four random names for jobs. But okay, whatever, whatever. So then Albie walks towards the south door, proper noun, capital S, capital D, located between what he'd called the deadheads, proper noun, capital D, and the bloodhouse, proper noun, capital B, capital H. And then Thomas is thinking, graveyard? Why do they need a graveyard in a place full of teenagers? It's like, what, you've already, 
You've already seen someone stung by a griever who was like on their deathbed with their veins turning green. And then you saw the griever, which was this like little blob that had a chainsaw and like shears sticking out of it. So, oh, surely people only die of old age in the glade. Like what? Of course there's a graveyard, dickhead. And he's like, oh, and what disturbs me even more is not knowing the words. Words like slopper and bagger, they don't sound good. Well, neither did Bricknick or Traco. I don't know why you isolated slopper and bagger. They all sound shit. But he's like, oh, I can't ask questions. I better not ask questions. And so he's looking at all the animals. He sees cows, pigs, chicken coops, turkey cages. Knows all the words, knows all the language for that. But then they're called sloppers or baggers. And he thinks, why do I remember these animals? Nothing about them seemed new or interesting. He knew what they were called, what they normally ate, what they looked like. Why was stuff like this still lodged in his memory, but not where he'd seen animals before or with whom? His memory loss was baffling in its complexity. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Oh, wait. Okay. So he points to the, okay. So he points to the barn and he says, that's where the slices work. Nasty stuff that nasty. If you like blood, you can be a slicer. Okay. That wasn't one of the options. It was slopper, bricknick, bagger, or traco. Now there's slicer. So slicer, I presume, is a slaughterhouse worker. He knows the names of cows and sheep and pigs, but he doesn't know the, the word butcher. Okay, interesting. So then the sun finally rises above the walls and he's like, huh, the sun looks weird, more orange than it should be. And it hit him that this was yet another example of the odd selective memory in his mind, or it's a fake sun. I mean, it doesn't rain, so I don't think you're outdoors. And also you were looking at the sun yesterday and you didn't notice anything weird with the color of it, but whatever. And then he's looking at the deadheads proper noun, capital D. And he sees those blinking little lights again. And he's like, what are those things? I wish Albie had told me earlier. The secrecy was very annoying. Then they get to the south door and he's just again looking at how big the maze walls are. He's like, oh my God, the walls are so big. Like we know. And then Albie says, out there's the maze. Like, oh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Hey, just so you know, we're in a maze at the moment. Well, actually Albie said, out there's the maze. And I'm like, you're in the maze. If the maze is all around you, you're obviously the center of the maze. Maybe Albie hasn't figured that out. He's not as smart as Thomas, perhaps. So Albie says, two years I've been here, ain't none been here longer. The few before me are already dead. Two years we've tried to solve this thing, no luck. Shuck and walls move out there at night just as much as these here doors. Mapping it out ain't easy, ain't easy know-how. Then why do they bother? Seriously, just stop bothering. If you haven't figured it out in two years, just quit. Just quit. The people observing you won't get that what they want and then see what happens. Why have protests? Like, come on. And Thomas is like, what? Two years? The walls moved out in the maze? Like, I thought you knew that, but okay. He's like, what? And then he stepped forward wanting to see the maze for himself. And Albie's like, ah, 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 and like pushes him backwards. And he says, ain't no going out there, Shank. And Thomas says, why not? Which is a question. Maybe he should have taped his mouth shut. And Albie says, you think I sent Newt to ya before the wake up just for kicks? Freak, that's the number one rule, proper noun, capital N, capital O, capital R. The only one you'll never be forgiven for breaking. Ain't nobody, nobody allowed in the maze except the runners. Break that rule. And if you ain't killed by the grievers, we'll kill you ourselves. You get me? So he's pretty much just saying you can break all our other rules and we'll forgive you. So (laughs) go for it then. Ask questions, do things that they said you can't do. There's no repercussions. And so then Thomas is just like, oh, 
If there were any doubt that I wanted to be a runner, it's all gone now. Oh, I want to be a runner. I will be a runner. Deep inside, he knew he had to go out there into the maze. Despite everything he'd learned and witnessed firsthand, it called to him as much as hunger or thirst. I don't understand this. We have been given no reason to believe this or to suspend our disbelief about him wanting to be a runner. It came out of nowhere. It's not been reinforced with with anything apart from his little hunch. I'm going to need a bit more than that. Then he sees a flash of silver again and he's like, ah, what was that? And Albie says, no questions till the end, Shank. How many times I got to tell you? Even though he did just say, break all the rules you want except for the number one rule. And then he goes and answers the question anyway. He says, they're beetle blades. It's how the creators, proper noun capital C, watch us. So they are being watched as suspected, but it's nice to have it confirmed. And so these beetle blades must be little drones. But then he's cut off by an alarm, a booming ringing alarm that sounded from all directions. And Albie is shocked. He's confused. He's surprised. And that's his reaction to the alarm. He doesn't know what's going on. And Thomas, even though he just got yelled out for asking questions, he says, what's going on? And Albie's like, oh, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. And so all the other kids are running around being like, ah, what's going on? And Thomas, he can't stand it anymore. And he says, Albie, what's going on? Even though Albie did just respond to him saying, I don't know. He thought he'd just ask again. And so Albie says, the box, shuck face, the box. And Thomas says, what about it? (laughs) Just full on questioning him. And so Albie just starts running over to the box. And so Thomas is following him. Everyone's congregating around the box. And Newt's there and he goes, Newt, what's going on? And so Newt comes over, swats him on the back and he says, means a bloody newbie's coming up in the box right now. And Thomas goes, so? Even though he was just told it happens once a month like clockwork, Newt's been there for two years. So for 24 months straight, it's just been one newbie per month on a specified day. Albie didn't say much, but he did just say all of that. And so Thomas is like, so? And Newt goes, so? Greenie, we've never had two newbies show up in the same month, much less two days in a row. And so then Newt runs off into the homestead and that's the end of the chapter. So we start chapter eight and the alarm finally stopped after blaring for a full two minutes. So there's a crowd around the box and Thomas is looking at the box thinking, wow, was it really just yesterday that I came out of the box? It doesn't feel like just yesterday. And it's like, yes, of course it was just yesterday. You haven't done that much to be like, oh my God, it was a long time ago. You went into the homestead, you saw some guy dying from being stung by a griever, then you saw the griever and that's about it. So then there's Chuck and Chuck says, how goes it, Green Bean? I wonder, will they still call him Green Bean when there's a new Green Bean coming out of the box? And so then Thomas is like, yeah, I'm fine. Why is everyone freaking out? Isn't this how you all got here? And Chuck says, uh, I know, but it's always been real regular. One a month, every month, same day. Yeah, we know. Why is Thomas like pressing the issue being like, I don't get it. Like Albie told him, Newt reinforced it. And now Chuck's got to say it again before he gets it. And this is a person who identifies as a smart person. And so Chuck's just trying to lighten the mood. And he goes, maybe whoever's in charge realized you were nothing but a big mistake. So they sent someone up to replace you. And Thomas is like, you're annoying. Seriously. Like, I think that offended him. Like what? And Chuck says, yeah, but we're buddies now. Right. And he goes, looks like you're not giving me much choice on that one. But then secretly he's like, yeah, I do like Chuck. He's my best friend. And so then Chuck says, glad that's settled, Greeny. Everyone needs a buddy in this place. And he says, okay, buddy, then call me by my name. 
Thomas, or I'll throw you down the hole after the box leaves. So they're just reinforcing their best friendship. Something's happening. Something unexpected is happening. The whole glade is a tizzy and they're just negotiating the terms of their friendship. But then Thomas is thinking what I was thinking a little while ago. And he says, wait a minute. Have you ever gone down the box? And he's like, nah, tried it. Going down in the box after it makes a delivery won't work. Won't go down until it's empty. And Thomas is like, oh yeah, Albie already told me that. But what about, and Chuck says, tried it. (laughs) Chuck's actually quite funny. Thomas just keeps going to say things and Chuck just says, tried it, cutting him off. So apparently they've tried going down the hole after the box goes down. There's nothing down there, just emptiness, blackness, no ropes, nada. And they've thrown things into the hole, but they never heard them land. And so obviously it goes on for a long time. And Thomas is getting frustrated. He's like, you don't even know what I'm going to say. What are you, a mind reader or something? And Chuck winks at him and he goes, just brilliant. That's all. And he says, Chuck, never wink at me again. But then he thinks, you know what? Chuck is a little annoying, but oh God, there's something about him just makes him just so likable and friendly. I'm glad he's my best friend. And so Thomas is thinking there has to be something they haven't tried. He says, have you tried making a rope? And they say, yep, we did that with the ivy. Longest one we could possibly make. Let's just say the experiment didn't go so well. So he's trying to be vague, but Thomas is like, well, no, actually, what do you mean by that? And he goes, oh, I wasn't here. But I heard that the kid who volunteered to do it had only gone down about 10 feet when something swooshed through the air and cut him clean in half. Yikes. See, I mean, before I progressed to human trials, I probably would have sent a cow down or a chicken or something, but good to see that they risked a kid's life. And Thomas laughs. He goes, what? (laughs) I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, hilarious. A kid got cut in half. And so Chuck says, oh yeah, smart guy. Well, I've seen the sucker's bones cut in half like a knife through whipped cream. They keep him in a box to remind future kids not to be so stupid. It's kind of macabre. Also like, well, surely they only have half of his remains. So he must've been tied to a rope in order for them to pull up the half of the body that didn't fall down and plummet to the end of the shaft, right? The logistics of this story is a bit confusing. I don't, I don't know if that's real. I've seen the sucker's bones. Could be anybody's bones. Just seeing bones doesn't mean shit. I'm not buying it. Until I see it proof for myself, I'm not buying it. And so then Chuck's like, whatever, let's just go and see who's coming up out of the box. I can't believe you only have to be the green bean for one day, you clunkhead. So that they do just trade the title of green bean. But they also inexplicably use the word newbie. So I don't know why you would just not say newbie. Okay, so they transfer the title of green bean. Another mystery solved. And so then Thomas is like, well, how do you know it's not just supplies? And Chuck says, well, the alarm doesn't go off when that happens. The supplies come the same time every week. So it's not supplies. I mean, it could be. I mean, this is a new situation. The rule book's thrown out the window, but he's like, no, it can't be supplies. Supplies only ever come once a week. Well, newbies only ever come once a month. And yet here we are. So then Galley comes up to the box and Chuck's like, oh no, shuck it. That Galley guy, he does not like you, man, talking about. Thomas. And it's like, what? Thomas and Galley just had an interaction when Chuck played a prank on Galley. And Thomas was like, oh, don't worry, Green Bean. I know it's not you. I know it was Chuck. And yet now they're like, oh my God, Galley hates you, Thomas. He's fine with me, Chuck, the guy that just pranked him while he was doing a shit, but he hates you, Thomas. And Thomas is like, oh no, I figured out that he hated me. And you know what? The feeling's mutual. Again, I thought they had a lovely interaction, but whatever. And so then Chuck says, 
Why don't you go and ask him what his problem is? Maybe because you just played a prank on him 12 hours ago, Chuck? But Thomas is like, nah, I don't want to pick a fight with him just yet. Oh, so they're all just waiting around the box. Oh, this box is taking its darn time, let me tell you. And so then Newt and Albie, they come back from the homestead. And that makes him think of Ben, that guy who's going through the menopause upstairs, through the big change. And he says, Chuck, man, you've got to tell me what this whole changing business is. Proper noun, capital C. What have they been doing in there with that poor Ben kid? And Chuck says, don't know. The grievers do bad things to you, make your whole body go through something awful. When it's over, you're dot, 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 different. And we know that Galley was stung and went through the changing. And so maybe that's why he has a potato nose. So they're all hanging around the box. We're taken forever for the box to reach the earth. But so then the box finally arrives. And so Newt and Albie, they opened the shaft doors and then they're looking down into the box and they're like, oh no, what? No way. And no one else can see what's in the box just yet, but they're hamming it up being like, this is crazy. And so Thomas, who's always got a million questions on the back burner, he's like, what do they see? What do they see? What's going on? And people are starting to mumble and murmur. And Albie's like, hold on everyone. And he says, two newbies in two days. Now this, two years, nothing different. Now this. And then Albie turns to Thomas and he says, what's going on here, Greeny? So they all think Thomas is up to something like, how so? Like, why would anybody possibly think that Thomas has sent someone up from the ground in a box? Like he doesn't have that power. And Thomas is like, I don't know what's going on. And so Gally, he says, why don't you just tell us what the shuck is down there, Albie? And everyone's like, yeah, tell him. And Albie says, Shanks, shut up, Shanks. Why don't you tell him, Newt? And Newt says, it's a girl. And everyone's like, what? They all lose their fucking minds. Someone's like, a girl? And then someone else says, I got dibs, which is very problematic. And someone else is like, what does she look like? How old is she? And I'm like, whoa. Are they all already like planning on like trying to bang this girl? That's so inappropriate. And then Thomas, who identifies as a smart person, thinks a girl? He hadn't even thought about why the Glade only had boys, no girls. Hadn't even had the chance to notice, really. Which I think must be incorrect. Like in chapter one, I think he said, oh, everyone's a boy. So he did notice, but now he's like, oh yeah. Looking around, I realize that women exist and they're not here. But I do identify as a smart person. Let's blame the memory wipe. He just forgot a whole gender. Let's just blame the memory wipe, sure. And then Newt, He says, that's not the bloody half of it. I think she's dead. Wow, I really think he buried the lead there. I thought her being dead was probably a bit more impactful than her being a girl. And I'm hoping the boys still don't want dibs on the dead girl's corpse. But also like, she's clearly not dead. I don't know why he thinks she's dead. They're staring down at a box and he hasn't checked a pulse or anything, but he's like, she's dead everyone. And then everyone's just like, oh wow, she's dead. Why would they send up a dead person? Why would they do that? But the narrator just keeps referring to it as the girl's lifeless body. So just really rolling with the idea that she's dead based on no evidence. And so then Albie and Newt go into the box so that they could retrieve the girl's body. And everyone's milling about with solemn faces because they all just assume she's dead. So then they hoist Albie and Newt holding the girl's lifeless body out of the box. And everyone ran forward, forming a pack crowd around her a palpable excitement hovering in the air. Excuse me? What? Why are they excited over a girl's dead body? 
And Thomas catches a glimpse of her and thinks, oh, she's thin, but not too small. She's about five and a half feet tall. She looks like she could be about 15 or 16 years old. Her hair was tar black, but her skin was also pale, white as pearls. Like if she is indeed dead, I don't know why we need that full description, but okay. So then they all crowd around the lifeless body and Newt says, Greeny, get over here. Cause they think he murdered her or something. I don't know when he had the time to do that. And Thomas is starting to get nervous. He's like, oh my God, did I kill her? No, I don't think I killed her. And so Thomas goes over, but he doesn't want to look at Newt or Albie because, you know, he's got a guilty conscience over not killing this girl. And so he just stares at her and thinks, despite her paleness, she was really pretty, more than pretty, beautiful, silky hair, flawless skin, perfect lips, long legs. She's dead. (laughs) What? Like, I know she's not dead, but they all think she's dead. And he's just like admiring her body. That's creepy. And he even suspects it. He goes, it made him sick to think that way about a dead girl, but he couldn't look away. Maybe she's not dead. Can we get a pulse check, people? And Albie sounds ticked off, ticked off. And he says, do you know this girl, Shank? And Thomas is like, I don't have memory. Of course, I don't know her. I don't know anyone. And Albie goes, okay, but like, does she look familiar at all? And familiar is italicized, so... Clearly there's some language around Thomas being familiar with things. And he says, any kind of feeling you've seen her before. And Thomas is like, nah. And Albie says, are you sure? And he looks like he didn't believe a word. Thomas said, seemed almost angry. I don't know what they're basing all this suspicion on just because he came a day earlier. It's got nothing to do with Thomas. And Thomas is like, whoa, you don't think that I. And Newt says, slim it, greeny. We're not saying you bloody killed the girl because she may or may not be dead yet, but let's just maybe like, I don't know, splash some water on her face, help her wake up and then ask her. And Thomas's mind was spinning. He's like, I'm sure I've never seen her before. But then the slightest hint of doubt crept into his mind. Like what? You forgot women existed. Of course you haven't seen her before. Or have you? But then the girl shot up into a sitting position. Oh my God, she's alive. She's alive. And everyone's like, ah, she's a zombie. She's a zombie. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. She's just was never dead in the first place. We all just assumed she was dead. My bad, says Newt. And so then she says, everything is going to change, which is a very ominous thing to say when you wake up surrounded by people and clutched in her hand is a wadded piece of paper. And so Newt runs forward and grabs it out of her hand. Oh, and she's also fallen back to the ground, passed out again or something. So, okay, that's convenient. So then she's passed out. Newt takes the piece of paper out of her hands. And Thomas, he's trying to get a squiz. Thomas is part of the inner circle now. And he's like trying to look at what's written on the piece of paper. And it says, she's the last one ever. And that's the end of the chapter. All right, well, that's a little bit interesting. Still hate the book, but at least we've got one female character. We're certainly not going to pass the Bechdel test anytime soon, but... Hey, almost on the same level as Lord of the Rings. Progress, here we go. So again, hit me up in the comments on Patreon or send me an email, whatever, just to let me know your thoughts and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. 
To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading.